0: I originally titled the 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 this sermon um perseverance in Christ but I thought it sounded too airy-fairy with the point that I want to bring it across so I just called it suck it up. That's that's the name of this message. That's that's for you Steph. <laughs> okay. 1 Thessalonians 2 chapter 17 down to chapter 3 verse 5. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, Out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as well you know, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith." I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. So I'll give you a a little bit of background first. So he's writing to the church in Thessalonica and originally Paul had only spent uh, about a couple of weeks there when he was traveling through as a missionary and, and, you know, he was preaching the gospel and evangelizing and he got a group together and they formed a little church and What broke out was known as anti-Paul riots, (laughs) specifically against Paul. And so he had to leave Thessalonica and go elsewhere. But he was really worried about the the Christians that he left there, that he'd led to the Lord that were used to believe in um, the Roman gods. And uh, so eventually he's able to send Timothy back to him to see how they're doing and to encourage them, And, and he was quite... Happy with, oh no, I won't get to that yet because I'll read that later on. So, <coughs> see ya, brownie. No worries. Um, I'd like to talk about myself for a second. I hope that's okay with you. I have an issue with discipline. Not being disciplined by other people, I have no issue with that. I mean, yeah, that it sucks. It doesn't feel good, but I have a I have an issue disciplining myself. I really struggle. Um, I know some of you are nodding your heads inside. Um, I really struggle with it. Even just things like going to bed on time—that's <laughs> just not something I'm able to do. It, it was easier when my parents told me to go to bed. I'd fight and kick and scream, but I'd I'd still go to bed. You know, now I have trouble even doing that. I have trouble doing so many things that are good for me, and just it's what normal people do. You know, I am my own worst enemy. in In reality, I think most of us are. I think all of us are, in ways. Um, in particular, I want to talk about just how much this thing affects my life, uh, and what it what it does for me, and uh, and how I keep sort of pushing it aside. I often let um, just circumstances, life get in the way of uh, reading the Bible. I um, I allow life to sort of happen and then I try and plan my time with God reading the Bible around all of that. And uh, it's really unhealthy because then you never actually get around <laughs> to doing it. And, you know, I mean... Every Christian should, I think, read the Bible and pray and spend time in worship. But for a lot of us, it's, we sometimes tend to enjoy doing one more than the other. Even though we'll still do all three, we might do one more than the other because maybe it speaks to us more, depending on our personality or whatever. I love reading the Bible. I love gleaning from God, but I'm often pushing it aside because I just hate thinking. <laughs> I really hate thinking which sounds a little strange because I'm often, you know, it's too easy to send me off on a tangent. Oh, what's happening in Russia? Oh, well, I'll go to homework for three weeks and figure out what's going on. You know, that's happened. He knows. So the importance of devotion in my life, I've noticed if I'm doing it regularly, I'm I'm able to live a more healthy life and I'm able to be more myself with other people. I'm able to make myself vulnerable with other people. Whereas if I don't spend regular time in my Bible, I often put a guard up and people can't really see who I am. It's really tiring. I've also found that if I don't spend regular time in my Bible, I start treating ministry like it's a responsibility instead of working with family. I start treating it like, oh, this is just something I've got to do and I've got to get it out of the way. And that's a real mental killer because when you take your eyes off Jesus and you put your eyes on yourself, you're also taking your eyes off other people and instead of thinking, what can I do for other people? You're gonna think, what is this gonna do to me? And I mean, what you expect, that comes true. So if if your eyes are on Jesus, then your eyes are going to be on other people and you're always going to be thinking, what can I do for other people? How can I invest in other people? And you know what? You're going to see fruit in people's lives if that's your expectation. But if your expectation is, this is just going to wear me out, well, it's going to. It's going to wear you out. It's going to deplete you. So the mindset bears the proportionate fruit, whether it's good or bad. What you think, that happens. Now, I closed my Bible. That was silly. I want to read almost to the end of chapter 3 in 1 Thessalonians. We'll read up to verse 10. So starting from verse 6. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith, for now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith." Paul really articulates how encouraged he was to see the Thessalonian church thriving, like such to the point where he says, for now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. That's quite powerful to know that the church that he started could affect him so much. I found when I stop reading the Word, you know. I, don't, I won't be praying as much. I also probably won't be worshipping as much. What I'm really doing is, I d- it's like I stop investing in my relationship with Christ. And if I stop investing in my relationship with Christ, then people are not going to see Christ in me. They're going to see Jamie. And <laughs> Jamie likes to make people laugh. But Jamie can't really inspire people the way he can if Christ is at work in him. Making people laugh is worthless compared to inspiring someone to better follow Jesus. I don't want to be just a punny man. (laughs) Maybe most of you didn't get that one. (laughs) It's alright. We love dad jokes. So what this really comes down to is discipline. It doesn't come down to emotion because if you're just gonna wait till you feel motivated, guess what? You're never ever gonna be motivated. Motivation comes by one of two things. It'll either come by having a vision, and it, not literally a vision from God. I mean, yeah, that happens too, and that'll give you motivation. Hell yeah. Heaven, yeah. But but seeing what's gonna happen in the end result if you're gonna if you're gonna do something, that gives you motivation. But also If you can't see what the end result is or you don't know what's going to happen, you just start doing it. Start working. Because once you start working or you start... Once you put your hand to the plough, then motivation will come. It won't come beforehand and you can't just will motivation to happen. That is never going to happen. You know the biggest lie I tell myself? I'm really tired. I'll just read the Bible tomorrow. (laughs) That's the biggest lie I tell myself. You know, oh, I've had a long day. This is crap. The last thing I want to do right now is think. I just want to go into my man's nothing box. Amen. You know, and then you don't want to read the Bible. You don't want to spend time with God. You don't want to get on your knees and pray. You don't want to chuck on some music and spend some time with God. You just think oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, guess what? Tomorrow is not going to be any different. You're going to be just as tired. You just you're going to have just as much a crap day, if not worse. It might be better. Might not be, but if you're going to organize your time with God around everything that life throws at you, then you're never going to spend time with God. And before you know it, it's like, I haven't read my Bible in a week, two weeks. Maybe you've read your Bible once in three weeks and it's like, wow, I feel really spiritually dry and frustrated right now. You know? I don't feel like I'm making a difference in anything. And that's when ministry starts feeling like a responsibility and just something that you've got to get done and you're just serving the church instead of the kingdom, instead of investing, instead of changing people's lives. That's what happens when we put our eyes back on ourselves. We just all of a sudden wear ourselves out. And it happens before we know it. And then we realize and we're like, wow, I feel so far away from God. I remember... One day I was sitting there on the couch and I wanted to play the PlayStation because I just didn't want to think. I just wanted to shoot something. And, uh, and God's saying, Jamie, you need to read your Bible. You haven't read it for, for like a week and a half. And I'm like, I'm tired. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> and this is these weren't the exact words that God used with me. I remember the tone more than I remember the words. It was kind of like I just felt him glaring at me. You know when your parents glare at you when you do something really stupid? I just felt God glaring at me. And he's like, suck it up, princess. Start digging in the word. You know, whoa. You know, sometimes you just feel that real spiritual kick up the backside. And it's like, wow, I almost felt that. You know, he he gives that to me sometimes. That's why I love him. So suck it up, princess. Start digging. And then, but often when we start digging into God's word, we stop digging because we think we're not finding anything. That's also a problem because it's just kind of like, you're feeling dry and you're reading the Word, and you just, I'm not getting anything from this, I'll go and do something else. How many of us have ever done that? With anything, you know? Not just with reading the Bible, we do it in all sorts of things. When you keep digging, you will find something. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Psalm 119, and I can't remember which verse it is in there. I think it actually says it in probably two or three places in Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This thing, God's word, God's Bible. In the words of John Piper, God wrote a book. Where's Caesar? He's smiling. But, you know... Uh, and I mean some of you know that Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. In my Bible it's about 4 pages long. And uh it has one theme. It only has one theme. It's about delighting in God's law. You know, I delight in 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 your law, your statutes, your principles. I meditate on them day and night. That's That's what Psalm 119 says, and pretty much just repeats itself over and over again for however many verses it is, 100, 200 something. What it's really about, what does the law point to? Saying a trick question. Jesus. The law points to Jesus. The law was to reveal Jesus and to prepare Israel for the person of Jesus. You know, the the way I think the Apostle Paul puts it, he says... The law was a shadow of what was to come. But we have the real thing. We have the tangible person of Christ living inside of us. How much more than the psalmist should we be excited? How much more should we be delighting in Christ rather than just, oh man, I've got to read the Bible. (laughs) Nah, mate. I mean, it's good, but this is dry, far out. You know, the Old Testament Everything about it, it symbolizes Christ. You'll find Jesus on every single page in the Old Testament. And then he's revealed in the New Testament. He's found on every single page in the New Testament too. So he's found on every single page in the Bible if you're looking for him. Everything in Scripture reveals Jesus. And when you approach Scripture from that mindset, it's no longer... like. It doesn't matter. In Jesus' name, Leviticus will not be boring if you're looking for Jesus. If you've read Leviticus, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is, it's is—it's drier than a week old sponge cake if you, if, you, if you don't see Jesus. You're right, Numbers is worse. That's like waking up to the greyest day you'll ever see in your life and then the next day is even greyer. That's what Leviticus and Numbers are like, unless we see Jesus. When we're not bored with the Bible, because we're seeing Jesus, then we get inspired, no matter what we're reading. And then we inspire others. You're not just going to make them laugh, or you're not just going to make them feel good. You will inspire others when you are inspired. That's the nature of God. You are blessed to be a blessing you don't keep god's goodness to yourself you can't i want to read one other verse matthew chapter 7 jesus is talking to a lot of people right now i was going to throw in a i was going to use a proverb but i use proverbs every time i preach so. <laughs> chapter 7 verse 7 and 8 Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. This is a very direct promise of Jesus himself. That if you seek, you will find. So when we start digging, we need to keep digging. You might get covered in dirt for a bit and that might discourage you and you would be like, man, this is so dry. No, keep going. Push yourself. You know, it's going to sound funny, this comparison. Scripture is like a Dorito. <laughs> Scripture is like a Dorito because you may not be hungry, but in Jesus' name, when someone forces you to have a Dorito, even if you say nah, no, I'm not going to have one mate, I'm cool no, have a Dorito you're going to eat one, you know, we've all got that friend that forces us to eat once you put that Dorito in your mouth and you taste it you're not going to have just one doesn't matter if you weren't hungry before, ten seconds ago you're going to have another one, in fact, you're not going to stop until you have the entire packet then if you're still hungry, you're going to go looking for another packet, that's what Doritos do Amen. Am I right? Like, can you all agree with that? If you have one Dorito, you'll have two, then you'll have ten, then you'll have the whole packet. Then you'll start to get downright dirty with other people and you will flog their chips. That's going to happen. That will happen. You, but A man starts to lose his ethics when he tastes Doritos. All the commandments go out the window. <laughs> so scripture is like a Dorito. Once, you know, Once you suck it up and say, you know what, I'm actually going to do it, and you get you push yourself into doing it and you start digging and you think, no, I'm going to remember the promise of Jesus. I'm going, to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep knocking on this door. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep digging. God's going to give you something. He will give you something. I'm still going to throw in the proverb now. It's from Proverbs chapter 2. It says, if you ask for knowledge, if you crave wisdom, and then here's where the action comes in, and then you seek it out, Like buried treasure, you will find it. It's a bit of a challenge. Sometimes we've got to push ourselves. But once God gives us whatever feeds our soul, like a Dorito feeds our mouth and every other part of us, once God deposits some little truth in here into our soul, you're not going to stop there. You're suddenly going to get inspired no matter how dry you were 10 seconds ago. And you're going to go, man, I need more of this. This is good. I'm on a roll here. And and you're just going to take more and more and more until you've eaten the whole packet of chips. Like, until you've had all that God wants to give you, you know, you just won't be able to stop. It's almost like a drug. It's amazing. Except it has benefits. (laughs) So, discipline. Suck it up. Get over yourself. This is something I have to tell myself all the time. I wanted something to be really relevant to me, you know, what I'm speaking about, because I I really struggle with discipline. I really struggle with making myself read the word. I really struggle with making myself spend time with God, with investing in my relationship with Jesus. But if I can ever expect to change someone else's life, I have to allow God to change my life first. And that comes from an everyday choice, you know, picking up our crust daily. Because life will always throw things at you. Could be friends, come over! You know, could be responsibilities. It could be things that just come up out of nowhere. Life always throws us curlies. But we do have a commitment to God. When we spend time with Him, he just feels us. Anyway, I'm actually going to stop there. Short sermon. Let's pray. <clears throat> actually, no. I have one more thing to say. And then I want to ask you a question. And then we're going to pray, because I want you to think about this, about how it's relevant to you. You know what Scripture does for me? It affects my life so much more than I could ever have imagined. If I read Scripture, I tend to go to bed at a reasonable hour. If I if I'm reading it regularly, I have a real problem with. Uh, usually, I'll go to bed at maybe one o'clock, two o'clock, and then get up at seven. That that's a problem. If I'm regularly reading scripture, I'll go to bed at a reasonable hour. You know what? I won't be very tired the next day if I go to bed at a reasonable hour. Which means then that I will be bothered to cook myself some